So what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to Position in Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Anybody in the room for the first time tonight? Any first timers? One, two, good. Three, four, good. First of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to perceive us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. Primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I try and do is show you how I find my experience in this book and encourage you to have your experience with the book. And if we both do our job, we share a spiritual experience in this room. How many of you have been here before and can witness that happen? Very good. So, those of you online, you can't see it, but they're raising their hand. In 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a sensory experience. You'll feel it. When you do, I'll know. I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? Yes. And the other thing is, uh, members, if you're in here tonight, and this is your first time, we want you to know at this group and at the church, the recovery church on Saturday, Chaplain Lee, um, we, we encourage your family to come too. So although you're not supposed to have visitors in the place and all that stuff, for this recovery meeting and for the church service, your family can come, be with you, see what you're doing uh, upon your re-entry, getting ready to come home to them, huh? Yeah. So, and we encourage you to do that if you want to. And members of the public, you know, just uh, thanks for, for celebrating our people's return home. If you don't know what we do here, most of these people are freshly released from prison and they come here to get ready to go re-enter society successfully. And so that's, we're all here to help them do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tonight we're going to take a look at the steps right in the middle, probably have a lot of confusion attached to them if people never shown you how to read this book, how to experience this book. But we're going to be looking at steps 5, 6, and 7. And they are described for us in chapter 6 of your book. If you're following along in the book, you'll find that on page 72. And interestingly enough, it's in a chapter called Into Action. Yeah, to Sean's point, it's not into thinking. Because what we learn is we can't think our way into better acting. That's what we tried to do in our addiction, yes? So what we're going to have to do is act our way into better thinking, and if we get our feet moving, the mind will catch up. How many of you have been around a minute and have found that to be true? Okay, so they're going to tell us a little bit about this next phase of our development. It says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? They've got a question mark. How many of you had to figure out what to do about your personal inventory? How many of you had someone helping you figure out what to do about it? How many of you did both? Tried to figure it out on your own, you finally humbled yourself to ask for a little help. We didn't have any self-sponsored individuals here? It happens, I, I've, re I've read about it. 
Okay, so we've, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? Yes. And those of you who are new to the process, you may not, especially if you're someone who's atheist or agnostic, which half the original fellowship were, they don't remain that way, but they start that way. So I may want to know, why would I want a new relationship with a Creator I did not believe in? Well, what they discovered is the reason I would is they learned through the process, regardless of their beliefs, that their relationship with creation was their relationship with creator. So if you're having a difficult time in creation, might want to check in with creator. Make sense? Okay. So it says we've admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. How many of you have done a step four and have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is? And what is the trouble in a rough way? Selfishness. Right? Selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, right? Driven by fear. Some of that stuff we read about in three is now real. We've seen it, yeah? Various manifestations of self have defeated me. You guys get when they say that, manifestations of self? How many of you thought yourself to be one thing, but you wanted someone else to think you another way? And so you convinced them you were that other thing, but then when you want them to know who you really were, they didn't know them. Okay, so those manifestations of self defeated me. So we're going to now look at those common manifestations. Fair enough? Okay. So, so now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we've admitted to God. When we say God, what do we mean? We've admitted to power to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. So the inventory gave me the exact nature and I looked at selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, how I was inconsiderate. Yes? Okay. Um, this brings us to the fifth step in, in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our def defects with another person. So how many of you looking at it thought, man, that looks difficult? How many of you going through it thought, this is difficult? So the authors are masters of understatement. We may not have voiced it, but they're voicing it for us. Do not let that which you fear steal from you a better version of you. Yep. Make sense? Yes. We're going to ask for power. We've discovered the power is within. We're going to ask and move. Yep. yep. Okay. So we think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. So what did they discover? The first thought was, I, I copped to it. How many, how many of you have admitted something to yourself? How many of you got a lasting effect from the freedom that produced? Okay, so all of us try it, but what we learn is that if I'm going to cast that out, I'm going to have to own it, and then I'm going to have to share it, and then I'm going to have to allow this power in me to take that from me, yeah? So there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient, so they confirm our experience, yes? Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first. If we skip this vital step, 
we may not overcome drinking. So the first question to ask yourself, are you trying to overcome your addiction? Or are you here just resting? I get people who chuckle, but how many of you have been here just to rest? Or to hide? So that if, you, if you came here just to rest or to hide, then you probably are not going to care about the vital step. When they use the word vital, what do they mean? Sounds pretty important, doesn't it? When they, when they discuss a vital organ, it's not something I can take or leave, typically. Okay. So, so it says, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. How many of you did everything everyone told you? You went to 90 and 90, you got your slip signed, you started learning how to quote the book. Just never quite did what it said. How many of you didn't know there wasn't a rest of the program? Anyone ever break that little secret to you? It's a manner of living. I agreed in three that as long as I had breath in my lungs, I would use it to advocate for my brother or sister. So my 12th step is my life. So we don't ever complete the program. There is no rest of the program. It's all inclusive. Does that make sense? Sometimes it would help if they'd break those little secrets out earlier. So we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. That, it's suggestive, but my house cleaning is not complete simply because I wrote it down and owned it. My house cleaning isn't complete till I put it to use to avert suffering for another. Then the meaning of what I thought was suffering and a waste is transformed in my mind to purpose. And therefore it's not suffering, it's purpose. So I've got an obligation to continue to serve until all of that that I thought waste has become purposeful. The creator does it, but I'm expected to participate. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they'd humbled themselves. The word thoughts in italics, why do you think they did that? They wanted to call our attention to it, so obviously they thought it important. How many of you have done something nice and thought, my, that was humble of me? <laughs> Do you notice the minute you had that thought, your humility vanished? One cannot think themselves into a state of being, no matter how many books we write on it. You can't act your way into a state of being, no matter how many books we write on it. You know why? Because the minute you become aware of self, there you are. And if self's the problem, then being is a lack of awareness of self. Does it make sense? How many of you have been blessed with a spiritual awakening and worked with others and, and literally had the experience of stuff flowing through you but not of you? Okay. All right, so 
it says, it says they only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All is in italics. You think they're talking about the perfect inventory? No, they're talking about the life and service that I'm going to live once I'm properly armed with the facts about myself. Then God will direct my steps, and I'll continue to bear witness, yes? Okay. So more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. They're describing the sensory battle between my head and my heart. I want you to think this of me, but I know that's not me. And in that conundrum, I'm going to try and present to you a brand of me that will change the way you think about me, but I know nothing about how you think of me. I only know my thoughts, which I can't control, about what I'm thinking you think. And then we think we're not insane when we get here. And you guys relate with me, so you know how fucking spun we are, right? Okay. True. Takes a while to even figure, wow, I really am here. <laughs> okay. So, so it says that the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his spree. So how many of you have had a spree? Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. Any of you had vague remembrances? Where's my drinkers? Okay. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of day. He's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. Where's the power found? Deep down inside, did you relate to pushing these memories far inside yourself? Oh, yeah. Can you see how they talked about when we do that, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit, the insanity returns and we drink again. Now they're revealing it to us in our own experience here. Yeah. Okay. So the psychologists are inclined to agree with us. How many of you made it to a psychologist along the way? Psychiatrist. Okay. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. How many of you spent a little money on them or spent the insurance company's money on them? Okay. Or spent the state's money on them because you, you had a few assessments while you were inside, too. We know of a few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. So I got to ask you, did you tell them the whole truth? Did you follow their advice? Where's, where's my opiate addicts that like the pills? We never told them the truth, and we didn't follow their advice, right? Roughly. Take one every six hours. Okay, six every hour. So what they said is we've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. That's also the reason why in recovery we don't share opinions if we're growing spiritually. Because as a class, we are people who have spent thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and then ignored the results of those opinions. So when I meet you on an AA chair, the last thing I'm going to probably do is a fucking thing you suggest. 
It's just not a good tool. Show me. Right? Okay. Okay, so unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. How many of you ran into people in the medical profession and had a low opinion and our chance for recovery? Did they accuse you of exhibiting drug-seeking behavior? It's kind of the way they got the system set up, ain't it? Yeah, yeah no shit. They told me I had to come to you to get it. I got to get my little slip of paper and then go to the dispensary. I'm the only one that ever did that shit, huh? So we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this infinite and confidential step. So how many of you considering asking someone for help have spent a lot of time thinking about who? Because sometimes we're afraid. What if they say no? What if they say yes? What will they think of me when they learn about who I really am? So rightly and naturally... Um, okay. And then it says, it says, those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and, of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. So how many of you working with somebody, or maybe it's just yourself, maybe didn't have a religious connection, but you did find some comfort in knowing that Whatever you said in the confessional was protected by the confession. So that's, we honor that tradition. And then they're going to talk a little bit more about the deep dive. Me and AA, I've got to do my confession to the properly appointed authority, and I've got to do my AA practice because I'm going to have a deeper dive. Does it make sense? So, so it says, we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. So how many of you have encountered people who do not understand alcohol? My ex-wife. <laughs> how many of you, as you've started working with others, got angry at people acting in bad behaviors, but they're powerless to behave otherwise, right? I know that. I admitted that myself. How many of you have gotten really mad at yourself and beat yourself up for behaving in weird ways? Okay, so we never have to get any further than there. Because right. <laughs> clearly I don't understand alcoholics. But the power within me does. Right? right? The power within me knew I wanted to get sober when I could manifest no outwardly action that showed. And yet here I am. Right? So... If we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. How many of you are not sure you know any closed mouth understanding friend? <laughs> How many of you would have to admit when you first came around and maybe for a long time thereafter, we're not terribly closed mouth and understanding? How many of you have grown as you've grown spiritually? Okay. So we're going to grow into it. There, they'll tell us later that their, their role they're playing in my sobriety is infinitely important. We're linked because they're showing me. Yeah? Okay. So perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. 
We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So you may have to tell different people about different parts of your story for various reasons. And when they say understand, understand what? Unaffected by what? Understand that you are in your search for the truth. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth. And I'm unaffected by that process that you're going to go through to whittle that down. How many of you have to admit today, even in your ongoing sanctification, that there is sometimes a little difference between my truth about you, your truth about you, and the truth about you? Okay, so we all got a little growth, regardless of how long we've been here. We're going to take the facts to the truth, and the truth will make a way. Make sense? Because where do we go? The last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So the rest of our life, since our problems of our own making, we've got to go to the solution within. Yes? Which is why we're going to learn to pray and meditate, why we're going to learn to confess quickly, why we're going to do all the things that this whole thing makes sense. Okay? So it says that notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated there is no suitable person available. Have you ever run into that? I've run into it in, in places where I didn't even think it was real, but it really doesn't matter what I think. If, if they, who need to tell their story, think no one suitable is available, what I need to do is show them non-judgment and see if, because the willingness is divine power. Until they see some demonstrated, they're not going to have any of their own. They, they, they learn it from us because there's no conditions for our caring. Does that make sense? We're supposed to be God's hands and feet, which is pure creation without attachment. I, there's no conditions tied to my willingness to serve you. Okay. Um, if that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. So again, inward, right? So what's it mean to hold yourself in complete readiness? How many of you just known it was time to tell the story? So they're going to tell you a little bit about what it looked like for them. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at, and he will not try and change our plan, but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. So one indicator that I know what I'm going to do is I'm not thinking anymore, I'm acting. How many of you have found yourself acting before you gave it much thought? stewed on it, I really need to do this, I really need to do this, and then found yourself in full do before you considered. How many of you have met that person in the store that you just said, hey, how are you doing? And you got their whole life story, and you're at the end, you're like, fuck. <laughs> really? So we'll see it. They decided you were to hear their story. And remember, they're not talking to you, they're talking to him. So act accordingly. Um, we explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. What do we do? Why do we have to do it? How many of you had a little help with that? Someone told you, here's what we're going to do. And the reason I have to do it, I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. Here's the action I took. I sat down with somebody. I tried to lie to them. They knew I was lying to them. I don't know how. 
They asked me point blank, Joe, what are you holding back? I said, shit. <laughs> and I coughed up this little thing. And then I was free and he was satisfied. And I don't know how he knew either one until I took someone else through this step and I learned how he knew either one. Because I asked the same thing of a guy. What are you holding back? He said, fuck, how'd you know? <laughs> I said, because when you let go, I'll feel the flow of the spirit. So when you don't let go, you're holding my hip. And I have always known when you sons of bitches would hold my hip. <laughs> who, who listens to Fifth Steps and know I'm not lying? We know. That's why we do it. Okay. All right. So he should realize we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approaching this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. Now they're going to talk to us about the experience of getting dug in. We pocket our pride and go to it. So that's a, like a get it out of here, get it in here. You get ready, yeah? Illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. What's every mean? Even that one little thing. And, it, and it's, not, it's not the perfect inventory or the perfect confession we're looking for. It's whatever you think is insignificant that made its way into your thought life, spill it. Because it's blocking you off. Make sense? Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. So they gave you a promise and condition. What was the promise? They're delighted, which is why the person taking me through it can feel it. They can feel my delight when I'm too dead to feel it. Sometimes they had to, wow, my guy had to point it out to me. That that you just felt, that was God, Joe. And I'm like, I thought it was something serious. I hadn't felt anything in a long time. Anyway. Um, so the condition is withholding nothing. So if you're not feeling the flow of the Spirit, if you're not, and you may not know it, but the person with you will know it, they'll call it to your attention, and then they'll know to move on, yes? So, but if that didn't happen, one of two things happened. You withheld something, or we'll look at the other reason why that might happen. Okay, so we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. So these are more promises. How many of you can't imagine being alone at perfect peace and ease? Where's my meth addicts? First of all, you're never alone. There's a whole room full of you even when you're alone. Coke addicts, you don't get a pass here. So we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us, and we begin to feel the nearness of our creator. So they're telling you they're feeling a more powerful flow of the spirit because they've done what they've done. They've shared themselves with God and another human being. Yeah? And so then it goes on to tell us that we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. So they've gone from, I believe God, to I know God, in the process of having the tangible encounter that is that full-throated confession. Yes? Here I am. Take me as I am. Yes? Okay. All right. So the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. That's a promise and a warning. How many of you got a lot of relief on their fifth step and then sort of dawdled on through the rest? How many of you struggle a little bit? Okay.
Okay? So it will come strongly because it's a lot of relief. We are delighted. But that was only to open my eyes and get my assignment. I now have to carry it out, which is why I'm going to say a prayer in another step, asking for power to carry that out because I now know what's up. The scales are off my eyes. Okay? Okay, so we feel we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. These guys use a lot of metaphor, but what's it like to feel that you're on a broad highway? How many of you felt like you lived your whole life on a tightrope? Had to be perfect. Okay, that highway is broad and roomy, all-inclusive, never ex exclusive, right? So it's okay to be you. So no more manifestations of self-defeating you. Be you. Know who you are and whose you are and walk in it, yeah? Okay. All right, so returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. Now, that's pretty specific, isn't it? Carefully reviewing what we've done. So what have we done? I've written an inventory. I've shared it with someone else. I've probably answered a bunch of questions. And now, in the course of this hour, I realize there's some detail I left out, or I spun it a little bit, or maybe nothing. Or maybe I'm still feeling guilty about something I copped to. I'm not feeling the relief. Any of you get all the way through this and still feel really bad about something? Because that's pretty common. Okay, I'm still going to show you why that is. If you're not holding back, it may be that you haven't fully conceded, right? Which is the first step in recovery. You think you're in five, but you have not conceded your powerlessness. And if you were powerless, then what could you have done differently? Nothing. There's another book that tells you that they were blind and they, were, they could not hear, and so their sin was not counted against them. We're about to open your eyes, and it's going to be a lot less fun. So we want to consider. No? Okay. Okay. So we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. How many of you were in the atheist or agnostic category and went through this and then went from somebody's idea of God that they try to persuade you with to the tangible experience of God you just had and had an honest prayer maybe for the first time? That was the first honest prayer I ever said. Thank you. Thank you for sustaining me. Because I now understand that God's an experience, the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Looking out there for what I believe is never going to tell me the truth. Okay. So taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So all those questions and metaphor. But let's go back to page 59, 58, and let's take a look at the first five proposals. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, dash, that our lives had become unmanageable. So let's look at the admission of powerlessness. Powerless when? Powerless when I drink it because that phenomenon of craving develops and it just the drink takes another drink. Or the cocaine takes over or whatever combination of chemical warfare you've decided to start. 
How about powerless when I'm not using? Because of the obsession, because I don't even, knowing myself to be an addict, I'm completely insane by the time I do the first one. That's why they call it the insanity of the first one. Right? Okay, so that's just a symptom of my malady. So the dash is now saying I'm powerless to manage my own life. And they talk to me about that. Let's see if that's true for any of us. Let's go back to page 52. And it says we had to ask, we sh ask ourselves why we sh shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. How many of you have a history of difficulty in personal relationships? It says that um, we couldn't control our emotional natures. Any of you ever had? Did anyone ever tell you you were never designed to control your emotional nature? Self-control is a divine act. You're designed to experience your emotional nature. How many of you denied the experience of your emotional nature until you were dead emotionally? And it's not that hard to believe that we come out of graves when we have this encounter, is it? Um, goes on to say that we were prey to misery and depression. How many of you discovered that after you sobered up? Would have been nice if they'd have tipped us off on that bullshit before we went back to the chemist. <laughs> My alcoholic nature guarantees I will be prey to misery and depression unless I infuse in the spirit. That's why they didn't suggest abstinence for me, because I am dependent. They suggested spiritual inebriation for me because that's my natural state, inebriated. <laughs> it's true. I've proven it. Okay. So it says we had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy and couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Notice the word real. How many of you tried to help people, but oftentimes your help was not perceived by them as helpful? How many of you have been called into service as a result of your addiction history now that you now are armed with the facts about yourself and you introduced them to power that solved their problem and all of a sudden you know that you are purposeful. You know who you are and whose you are and you know why you were sent to them and you can tell them boldly that I stand before you to anoint you with the same power that lifted me. Yes? yes? Okay, so that's what I'm powerless. Without this power, I'm powerless over those things, the unmanageability. I copped to them all in one, but they didn't really divulge to me the powerlessness of my human condition until two. So they tricked me into a little act of faith to cop to something before they divulged it to me. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I used to hear an old timer years ago, and he would, he would say, for the first six years in my recovery, I thought that said my wife had become unmanageable. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was not lying either. <laughs> okay, so the next step came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So I came to believe, in the same way I came to the meeting. I took some route and eventually I arrived here, right? And I came to believe based on what? Observation. 
Sometimes it's an observation, sometimes it's a tangible sensory experience, sometimes it's both, but something leads us here, then we see miracles, then we feel miracles, and then we find ourselves delivery mechanisms of miracles. Yes? Okay. So we come to believe this power, and where is the power found? Deep down inside, and how is it found? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So the manner of living is starting to make sense now, isn't it? Okay, so what's the insanity? Since it says it could restore me to sanity, what's the insanity I'm being restored from? Taking a drink knowing you're an alcoholic. That's a, that's a symptom of that, right? Would you all agree? Yeah. They said that it's an appalling lack of perspective. The inability to think clearly. Which would apply to things other than chemicals, yeah? Okay. Um, so then based on that encounter with the power and then agreement with that power, we're going to lead us to step three decision where I'm going to ask this power to go in me. Because I'm not going to do a fearless moral inventory without a power greater than me to confront the fear because I don't want to look inside. I want you to tell me what my problem is or I want to just blame something else. I want to diffuse it and deflect. I don't want to go in and see what's causing the storm within so the only way that's going to happen is to go in with a power greater than me. And so that's why in three, we made a decision to turn our will, my thoughts, and my life, my breath. People think, I've heard people say your actions, but no, it's more personal than that. It's your breath. How many of you have had the wind knocked out of you? You wanted it back, didn't you? Sooner rather than later, you weren't going to wait like a week. God doesn't make too hard terms on those who earnestly seek, but the reality is I need to live and breathe this manner of living to get the full effect. Okay. Um, in our lives, over the care of God, as we understood him, i got to help you with this. There's been a lot of deception over the years. People have turned that into God of my understanding. That's not what they said. It's not what they said. They said God as we understood him. Who's we? The first 100. And what did they tell you they understood about God? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing into them. There's that a miracle right across the table from me. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed, scales, scales of prejudice flew from my eyes. Clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. He knew God to be an experience, although he had been a declared atheist. And if we tell people it's a God of your understanding, then people say, let's pick a chair or a light bulb or a group of drunks. Why do we let people die? Because it's convenient? The power's found in you. There's a power in you that wants to live, and there's a power in you that wants to die. The one that wants to die needs to go sit right the fuck over there. I want to talk to the one that wants to live. Yes? He got up and ran. We got authority, too. Believe that around here, huh, Lance? Not, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We got authority around here. Okay, so made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I did that. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I did that. And I admitted to God, to myself, and to another human being, the exact nature. Yes? And we're good with all that? Okay, now we got to go back to where we left off. 
to page 76. And it says if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So this is another opportunity. If you're not satisfied with the story you've told, right? So this is where the people that are still holding on to the guilt, look, I left my family, and then I went to prison, and I lost my kids. Powerless is powerless. We're not, we're not diminishing it. We're not saying that that's an excuse for the behavior. We're saying there's an explanation for the behavior. And what I'm telling you is your addiction is a calling, not a curse. But you must decide if you're going to accept your calling or remain cursed. And then if you'll decide you're going to make it a calling, get properly armed with the facts about yourself. Right? And then get fit by admitting that you're wrong through the amends process. And then the big amends is 12 showing others precisely how you recover. Yes? Okay. So it says if, we've, if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. We've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? They want me to go inward. Question mark means introspective, right? Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So am I now ready? I don't need to ask you. Am I now ready? Are we going? Yeah. Right? And they gave me a little key. I'm powerless, right? Without power, I'm going to remain powerless, but I've gained access to power. It says my part is what? Am I now ready to let? Yeah. In order to let go, I'm going to have to learn to turn my thoughts to another. Right. When my thoughts turn to another and how to meet their needs... A window opens into consciousness, I receive more power than I need, and in offering them the healing they need, I receive the healing through me. Yeah. It's not rocket science. It's actually very simple. Yeah. That's why you feel it. That's why it's tangible. That's why inexplicably you're better than you once were, and people go, wow, you're better than you once were. Yeah, I got God. He sees to it. I'm better than I once was. Right? Yeah. That's the miracle of it, they say. Okay. So we're going to let God remove each and every, every one. It says, can he now take them all, every one? They want me to check myself. How many of you found that he could have this one and that one, but not that one? If you're honest with yourself. Okay. So you're going to have to set yourself up with a list of what you're really willing to do right away, what you'll be willing to do with a little bit of prompting. They've, got, they've laid out the whole book to help you with that, right? The whole book's laid out to the wives, to the family, to the employer, right? Get a circle of support around you, and then go from there. As you want to grow, you'll do more, yeah? Yep. Okay. And then it says, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. So now they're telling you clearly what they learned is willingness is divine power. So we don't want to tell people, I won't work with you because you're not willing, because that's an unloving thing to say. Right. And of course they're unwilling. They have not experienced divine power. That's your job, is to introduce them to divine power. Cannot help something you're judging. Right? right. And we all judge. So you're going to need a power greater than you just to suspend the judgment. How many of you have seen that guy walking in, and he's dressed in a way, or he's walking in a way, you know you don't like that son of a bitch. <laughs> Never met him. Don't know anything about him. How many of you had that very person come up to you and say, hey, man, I need a sponsor? You're like, oh. <laughs> Time to grow, God. 
Thank you, Lord, for calling. Okay. So it says, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. I'd like to call your attention to the fact that the seven-step prayer has an amen, which means an agreement, which means I need that power I'm getting agreement from. That spirit I've been introduced to, I need to be in agreement with that power. Right? The third-step prayer has no such agreement. There's a reason for that. I wasn't committed to the third step prayer. That was just asking for power. That was my little act of faith. I don't need agreement to look. I need him to reveal. But now he expects me to keep my focus on others and how to meet their needs. And I'm going to go through this process, which is going to require strength greater than me. Yes? So now I've got an amen. So it's the second half of the prayer I started in three, because I now know that there's a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, and I'm not a terribly good judge of what's what. Yeah? Okay. So then it says, and we have then completed step seven, and we've also completed tonight's lesson early, which doesn't often happen. So thank you very much.